Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello and welcome to Texas Ag Today for Thursday, September 10th of 2020. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by with the latest news in Texas agriculture. Nearly all of Texas has gotten some rain over the last week, and that's helping to improve drought conditions. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up. Even with all the new challenges that 2020 has brought about, some old ones are still out there and need attention. Hello, I'm Barry Mahler, and I'll tell you about one of those in my report from the Rolling Plains. Planning rural gated entrances. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag today. Those stories, along with the latest wildlife news and a complete look at the markets, coming up. But first, here's a look at news headlines. Cold temperatures hit the Texas Panhandle this week, and that is not good for the cotton that actually survived the 2020 growing season. Ockletree County AgriLife Extension agent Scott Strawn says fiber quality could take a hit, but at least it wasn't a killing freeze. When we get cooling temperatures like this, this can affect those later bowls, especially as far as fiber quality. If we had a freeze, it'd been really devastating. Even with this cooler weather, we're gonna have cool nights for quite a while. This will begin to affect the grade on this cotton in a negative way. The cold will also slow down the final development of sorghum in the panhandle, but Strawn says it shouldn't affect corn. We have a lot of late developing sorghum that needs to go ahead because when we do get a freeze, yeah, that's when it's over. So this slowdown is not helping because we need all the time we can and growth before we get the actual killing freeze. Corn is far enough along that the corn won't be affected at all hardly related to this, but it's been kind of a crazy last couple of months. The cold front did bring some rain with it, and that's a big shot in the arm for wheat growers. In fact, there's already wheat planters running, wheat drills going, and we'll see that continue all the way through October. And so this moisture came in a great time for the wheat crop that's going to be planted. This is going to be really good to set it up, to get planted, and maybe off to a good start. If you already had wheat in the ground and it's already beginning to germinate and come up, this will just be a home run. In fact, the producers that tend to plant earlier, a lot of them are going for fall wheat pasture. And so this will help those prospects, and that will definitely help the cattlemen, too. Ockletree County AgriLife Extension Agent Scott Strawn. Nearly all of Texas has gotten some rain over the last week, and that's helping to improve drought conditions. Jessica Domel reports. Recent rains across much of Texas are helping to alleviate drought conditions. According to the Texas Water Development Board, 55% of the state was suffering from moderate or worse drought earlier this week. That's down two percentage points from last week. Extreme or worse drought increased to 13% of the state over the past week. That is the highest it's been since August of 2018. The board expects significant improvements in drought conditions to appear on next week's drought report thanks to rainfall this week. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. Wild hogs are a huge challenge all across Texas, damaging farm and ranch property and consuming wildlife resources. 
Barry Mahler talks more about that problem from the rolling plains of Texas. With all that has changed here in Texas in 2020, I think a lot of us are thinking what can happen next. You know, with even uh, all the attention being paid to the new challenges, there are some old ones out there that continue to be a problem. And one thing that's still causing problems across most all of rural Texas continues to be wild hogs. We've talked about them before, but now measures are being taken that could at least help with the problem. Funds were allocated to the latest federal farm bill to try to at least begin to get a handle on the problem, and it's a big problem. Wild hogs are present in all but one county in Texas, and they continue to not only do damage in rural areas, but they're beginning to drift into urban areas as well. Last estimate showed there are 2.6 million in Texas and growing, and they've done an estimated $52 million damage to ag enterprises in just the last couple of years. Several different programs are beginning to take shape. Texas AgriLife has started a program to gain data on how much and where the damage is occurring. We have an agent here in our local area that's interviewing farmers and ranchers and pinpointing the damage over a four-county area. At the same time, our trapping program is about to begin here along the Red River that will place several traps per county to be moved to the hot areas where the populations are concentrated. These traps will be available to producers to be moved to areas where the hogs are concentrated. The program across the Red River in Oklahoma will mirror the program here in Texas in effort to help make it more effective along the Red River. Those efforts won't eradicate the invasive pest, but could offer some control until a more effective method is developed. Reporting from the Rolling Plains of Texas, I'm Barry Mahler. Gated entrances are everywhere here in Texas, and adding one to your property can enhance its value. But you want to make sure that you build it in a way that makes it attractive to potential buyers. Tom Nicoletti has more. On our last program, we talked about the importance of road frontage when selecting a gated entrance for rural property. Today, we continue that discussion with Tyler Jacobs, broker partner with Hall & Hall Partners, LLP. Tyler, when considering building a gated entrance on your rural property, a consideration that people need to take into account is whether or not they ever plan to sell that property. Expound on that. You know, and really this is a near-term thought. You know, if you think that there's a likelihood that you might own this property for two years or five years or ten years, um, then then you probably ought to plan a little bit for that gate for the next owner. And, and so we want to avoid things that deeply personalize that gate. We want to make that somewhat generic for the next person so that that next buyer doesn't have to spend a lot of of expense and even even uh digesting uh, uh the the psychology of 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 you know having somebody else's giant initials scrolled into the masonry of that gate or whatever it's just something where you want to consider that construction for the next owner to make sure that it's generic enough that the next owner can visualize owning that 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 property because again it's the same thing as a front door to the house uh, in in the residential world it's the same analogy another consideration that uh, property owners need to look at is fitting gated entrance uh, with the the regional area the locale absolutely Absolutely. You know, there's there's settings that fit in the hill country that don't fit in East Texas. There's entrances in East Texas that don't fit in the panhandle. There's high fence gates, low fence gates, 
South Texas gates, all of those things have regional nuances that help the ranch fit the region and 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 keep it from being uh, um, a fish out of water, if you will. And and when you go to sell that property, that's what you don't want. You don't want anything that doesn't fit the region, doesn't fit the ecology. So building a a massive stone field stone entrance to your ranch in Beaumont may not be the best fit uh, or doing extensive pipe work in the hill country. So there's just different things. Pay attention to where your property is and what some of the more traditional ranches in your region look like as far as their, their, their entrance go. And maybe try to find some thematic approaches that you can you can you can use on your own property thank you tyler thank you tom look forward to talking to you again i'm tom nicoletti with the texas farm bureau radio network how did hurricane laura affect cotton in texas and louisiana usda's stephanie ho takes a look what impact did hurricane laura have on cotton crops in its path in louisiana which was recently affected by hurricane laura the pre-storm number showed 82 percent of the cotton rated good to excellent that current number has slipped to 43 percent good to excellent that was usda meteorologist brad rippey but at the same time we haven't seen a big uptick in the very poor to poor ratings suggesting that there were some impacts from the wind and rain from hurricane laura but because it missed the key delta production areas, there hasn't been a huge impact and it has not devastated the crop either. He says the hurricane also did not intersect with Texas's main cotton growing areas. The portion of the crop that we thought was vulnerable was the coastal bend area further down the coast. But because Laura came in across southwestern Louisiana, impacts for Texas were negligible, especially with regard to cotton. This is Stephanie Ho for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. And speaking of Hurricane Laura, there's still no official tally of the damage to Louisiana agriculture caused by that hurricane. Knowing that farmers and ranchers will need help to recover, the Louisiana Farm Bureau has established the Louisiana Farm Bureau Foundation Disaster Relief Fund. Donations made to the fund will go to help Louisiana farmers and ranchers rebuild and recover. Louisiana Farm Bureau President Jim Harper says it's just another way that farmers can help farmers. Farmers always have a lot of sympathy from one another because we've all experienced when someone goes through this. And uh, while we did have rain and a lot of wind, we're fortunate compared to southwest Louisiana. So, uh, you know, we feel a lot of sympathy for them and, you know, it's heartfelt and we want to do everything we can to help these farmers. To make a donation, visit LAFarmBureau.org. In the aftermath of Hurricane Laura, the pork industry has been preparing and serving a hot meal to the residents of southwest Louisiana. Louisiana Pork Producers Association Executive Director Chip Lemieux. Yeah, we've had a great response. In fact, you know, it's uh, really touching. I mean, we've had some people that are just coming back. I know it's been a week now since the storm came through, and uh, we have people that are just coming back into the city. And, you know, they come back, their home's devastated, and, you know, roof, no no, no walls, you know, these types of things. And they come and they see us handing out food, and they're just so appreciative of what we're doing. And, uh, uh, you, know, the, you know, it brings them to tears just to think that people here care about them and uh, you know, spending time to uh, prepare a meal and give it to them. 
Support has come from all areas to prepare and serve smoked pork sausage and pork loin sandwiches. Protein was provided by uh, JBS and Smithfield. Um, the pork checkoff, of course, brought down the mobile kitchen and uh, brought down Glenn and uh, Rob's here and Jane. They're all been assistant in cooking during these meals. And uh, it's my understanding that uh, Iowa pork also provided some of the uh, uh, materials for preparing and putting the uh, uh, sandwiches in and uh, other uh, paper goods for us to uh, to uh, put the product in. Students and alumni from McNeese State University's College of Agricultural Science were also a part of this effort. Registration is open for a program designed to help adults learn how to hunt in Texas. I'm Jessica Dommel and I'll have more on Texas Ag today. And you should be careful when taking your dog to a dog park. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has some advice coming up next on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. If you take your dog to a dog park, they may bring home something that you weren't expecting. Here's more from veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. And the dog park is a fun place to go, but canine parasites are very common in most of these parks. Dr. Susan Little from Oklahoma State indicates that the prevalence of intestinal parasites may be greater than we realize, as infections can even be missed when testing fecal samples. One study surveyed owners of over 3,000 dogs that visited over 288 dog parks in 30 different cities across the U.S. All samples were sent to a reference lab, and information about heartworm prevention and intestinal parasites was included on the survey. Intestinal parasites were detected in over 85% of the parks and in 20% of the dogs. The most common parasite was the hookworm, which was found in 43% of the parks and in 7% of the dogs, followed by the whipworm, which was found in 18% of the parks and in 2% of the dogs. Roundworms are usually considered to be the most common canine parasite, but less of this parasite was found and all dogs with roundworms were less than four years old. All of these parasites can affect the health of dogs, while two of them can also infect humans, especially children. These eggs can remain in the environment for years and still be infective for a pet. 70% of the owners were giving their dog heartworm prevention, which is supposed to decrease some intestinal parasites as well. But although it does a good job preventing heartworms, it does not control intestinal parasites very well. Because of this, it is important to have your dog tested for intestinal parasites every year, especially if you take your pet to dog parks, even if your dog is on heartworm prevention. Ask your veterinarian about testing your pet at least annually for intestinal parasites. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Registration is open for a program designed to help adults learn how to hunt in Texas. Jessica Domel has more. 
Are you interested in learning how to hunt? The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is now accepting applications for adults who are interested in learning how to hunt safely and ethically harvest wild game. Justin Dreibelbliss, TPWD Private Lands and Public Hunting Program Director, says the mentored hunting workshops take place at Texas state parks and wildlife management areas throughout the state. These workshops are really designed to help a first-time hunter that doesn't have any hunting experience go out, learn about the animals, learn some woodsmanship skills, and then hopefully after a successful mentored hunt, be able to learn about field dressing and game care, and then ultimately how to go home and prepare that wild game for their families. It's a crash course in hunting and conservation. It's something that we're really excited about. Dribble Bliss said the workshops are really focused on adults who have never hunted before. We have a lot of youth hunting programs around the state that we are very serious about, but those adults that haven't grown up hunting and don't have a hunting background oftentimes are left out of the equation. And so we're finding that there's a big demand for adults that don't have that hunting background that really want to learn how to do it. There are several hunting workshops available for different game across Texas. We have the white-tailed deer that a lot of people are interested in, but we also have several workshops for waterfowl in the eastern part of the state. We also have feral hog workshops, really just trying to give folks an opportunity to learn about different types of species and different habitats. That was Justin Dreibelbliss. We'll have more with him tomorrow. In the meantime, you can register on the public hunting page on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Well, it was a higher day across the board for the agricultural markets. Cattle, cotton, and grains all finishing in positive territory. We'll take a complete look at all of our markets, livestock, cotton, grains, and energies coming up next on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. It was one of those rare days where we saw higher prices in just about all of our agricultural markets on Thursday. We wrapped up with higher closes in the cattle complex. We'll start with live cattle, October live cattle up 40 cents, 105.10, the December up 27, 109.42, February live cattle up 62, closing at 114.05. Feeder cattle finishing higher. October feeders up $1.35, 139.60. November feeder cattle up $1.45 at 140.40. Moving over to the cash cattle trade now. Fed cattle market moving a buck lower this week. 101 selling cattle in just about all of the regions this week. We still have bids out there at 101 from the Packers in Texas, Kansas, and Iowa. Dressed cattle in the Midwest selling for 162 this week. Boxed beef prices lower, choice down 262 at 220.33. 
Select down four cents at 207.47. Checking some feeder cattle auctions now. Caldwell Livestock Commission in Caldwell, Texas, selling yesterday. They had 740 head. The trend was steady. They sold two to three weight steers from $1.20 to $1.65. Three to four weight steers, $1.50 to $1.73. Four to five weights brought $1.40 to $1.60 a pound. Five to six weight steers, $1.30 to $1.51. Six to seven hundred pounders, a dollar twenty-two to a dollar thirty-four, and the heavyweight steers, seven eight hundred pounds, bringing a dollar eighteen to a dollar twenty-six a pound. Slaughter cows brought thirty to sixty-five cents. Slaughter bulls, sixty-five to eighty-eight. Stocker cows, six hundred to eleven fifty a head. Cow calf pairs brought nine hundred to eleven seventy-five a pair. Pearsall Livestock Auction in Pearsall sold 567 head yesterday. The trend there was steady to higher. Two to three weight steers, $1.40 to $1.70. Three to four weight steers, $1.40 to $1.65. Four to five hundred pounders, $1.35 to $1.60. Five to six weight steers, $1.15 to $1.40. With six to seven weights bringing $1.05 to $1.30 a pound. Slaughter cows, 36 to 64 cents. Slaughter bulls, 65 to 93. Stocker cows brought 750 to 950 ahead. Let's jump back over to the board now where the hog market was limit up. We closed with October lean hogs up $3.6437. December hogs up 3 bucks, closing at 62.85. October class 3 milk up 29 cents, 18.77 a hundredweight. The cotton market finished higher. Traders bullish heading into Friday's big USDA crop report. That report due out at 11 o'clock in the morning. Traders still remembering last month when USDA shocked the trade with a much higher crop number of 18.08 million bales versus the expected 17.02 million. Traders anticipating that we may see somewhat of a correction in tomorrow's report. Also tomorrow, USDA issuing its weekly export sales report. That could have some implications for the cotton market as well. We close with October cotton up 61 points, 63.96. The December up 61, closing at 64.81. The grain market's bullish heading into tomorrow's crop report as well. Kansas City wheat finishing higher. New crop July wheat up 2 cents, 4.98 and a half. Corn market closing higher. December corn up four and three quarters, 365 a bushel. In the energy markets, we saw mostly lower prices. October natural gas down nine cents, 231. October crude oil down 99, 3706 a barrel. Well, that is a wrap up of the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be right back here tomorrow with all the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.